Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to Caged In, the podcast where week by week I go film by film through the career of Nicolas Cage to find out is he an MVP all-time score player of cinema or is he somebody who deserves to be sat on the bench. Each week I get a guest on and I ask them are they a Nick Cage fan? What was their first and which is their favourite Nick Cage movie? This week I'm joined by Chris Martin, a fantastic comedian, writer, and one of the reasons I got into podcasting. His old podcast, uh, the Carl and Chris Comedy Podcast, was one of its titles. It had a, had a few different titles, but that was something I listened to. Not in the way of like, oh, if those guys can do it, I can do it. It's just like they were they were real early adopters of podcasting and fantastic. But and Chris has. Chris and Carl are back together. They have a new podcast. Uh, Chris alludes to it later in later in the show, but he doesn't tell us what it is. It is a amazing podcast called How's This for a Podcast, where him and Carl go head-to-head and pitch ideas to comedian Tiff Stevenson of what would make a great podcast format. The film that we talked about was A Score to Settle from 2019. If you haven't seen this film, we go into it in spoilerific detail. We're telling you the twists and the turns from the moment go in this one. So please do pause the podcast now. You can always look in the show notes and find a handy little document that will show you if and where stuff is streaming. There's only one thing left to do, guys, and that's to get raging with Cage. The road to hell is paved with good intentions is a key line in a score to settle. I'm a keen believer that nobody sets out to make a bad film. Nicolas Cage plays a man falsely imprisoned and falsely accused of a crime that he did not commit, taking the rap for his old crime boss. Out early with fatal sporadic insomnia, he's out for vengeance. But not without a romantic spa break with his son. To wade through the murky waters of this film, I'm joined by comedian, actor, writer and podcast veteran 
Chris Martin. How are you today, Chris? I'm good, mate. I'm good. I uh, do all those things, but at a very uh, low to medium level, um, if that makes it <laughs> me sound less intimidating as a guest. It's uh, ha- ha- yeah. How are you? How are you faring up with everything that's go- going on in the world? Um, it's been, you know, it's. I, I think we go through different. We, me and my wife keep talking about like in terms of you. There's a lot of television being watched, so especially over here because I'm in, a, in Los Angeles, where I know the pubs have been open for ages in the UK, and they haven't. You you can't have anything indoor here. So recently we did our first car park of a bar, which was like after six months of not having any food or drink out. And that was like, I was like on a desert island. It was amazing. <laughs> um, because TV-wise, we are... We, we've got a lot of streaming websites. We've done a lot of... We've started doing one-week free trials over here of stuff like Stars or Showtime to get extra films. So we've ticked off a few newer ones I hadn't seen, like Bad Boys for Life. Um, and... But we've also kind of hit a weird phase of watching a lot of John Claude Van Damme films, a lot of um, Statham films, perfect, uh, and uh, which was quite funny because I had to do a voiceover audition two days ago, and it was like you exactly like Jay, you had to sound like Jason Statham. <laughs> I said to my agent, "Mate, this is a, I've just been doing impressions of him around the house. Um, I haven't booked it because when I recorded myself, I was not as good as I thought I was in my head. Um, but also, yeah, Cage, Cage is always." in our in our psyche we haven't hit the the week of cage yet but this was a good reminder of i'm always torn with cage i'm like <laughs> will i find it so shit it's funny the film or will it just be sad that i watched it and after this one i don't know where i land it's 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 about 15 different films in one so. it's a very weird premise <laughs> for a film but before before we get into it I should ask you, like, are you a Nicolas Cage fan? I am. Gen- I am generally a, a fan. Like, I, I, well, it, you know, I, he's <laughs> who's not a bit obsessed with Cage is, mm-hmm. is my one thing. And uh, I was just saying, we have a, a large Nicolas Cage mug in my house with his face on it. Um, the Rock is is genuinely one of my favourite films. Perfect. It's genuinely one of my favourite films. So Stanley Goodspeed is always got a special place in my heart. Even yeah, because every time I watch a film, I'm like, I just know that I know like one in ten is good. Well, maybe it's one in twenty five now. But I'm like, so I'm always intrigued to know if this is the one. I th- I think that is the thing. And sometimes there are films that uh, don't have the right to be as good as they are. But like Nicolas Cage will be the one thing in them that kind of like takes it over the line. Sometimes like yeah. If- I don't know. He'll give you some. He'll give you something at least to take away from it, and be like, "All right, yeah, like maybe that's not how I should act." I feel, yeah, I feel like he's a perfect example for, especially someone like LA for for young actors to go like, "All right, this is what can be done." In, yeah, in yeah, I feel like he's the guy who, as an actor, and you go to auditions. It's just like, you know, there's going to be twenty five versions of you, and you want to be remembered. He would always be. Like, I bet there's like 24 other guys who have tried to do, or if not more, have gone, I'll go and do the weird cage thing and people, or just something weird and memorable. And the casted director will be like, we're never getting that fucking nutbag in again. Whereas he's, he's like always memorable, like you said. So, which he's, he's going to make people notice him. And I guess when he came up, it was, I mean, it probably helps that he's, you know, related to, uh, 
a very famous uh, part of the uh, Godfather dynasty, right? He, he's like, is he the son oh, of? His 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 family is ridiculous. Obviously, the Tally Coppola... Shires, his what sister or something? His auntie, yeah. So you right, Fra- yeah. Francis Ford Coppola, Sophia <laughs> Coppola, like it's it's yeah. insane when you that, look at that. That also family. helps. That also helps as well as being, and that's probably why I had the confidence to be <laughs> mad in in his acting and still get the job. Well, it's really funny with that as well, because he changed his name to Cage because he's like, I don't want the nepotism. I don't want the nepotism. And then his like first few films uh, directed by his uncle, Francis Ford Coppola. It's like, well, you kind of do want a bit of the nepotism. You want, you want a bit of it, but like with the, yeah, with the facade that you don't want. Yeah, it. yeah. with the kudos to be like, who's this Nicolas Cage guy? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and fa- family connections as well. This is a perfect one for it, because I'm not sure if you spotted that the guy who plays uh, the young Frank in this looks the spitting image of Nicolas Cage. He does, yeah. It's his nephew. <laughs> <laughs> of course it is. That's, uh, that is, has his nephew... I mean, I'm a huge... I don't know, I'm sure everyone in this day of IMDb, I can't, I can't watch a film at home without checking IMDb, I'm going to say 10 times. I didn't check up his nephew i didn't even think to check it was his nephew has he done many other things is he uh not that many from looking earlier it's a couple of like smaller films he was in a film this year called alone but yeah this film like one of the other actors as well that really made me straight away go i know that guy straight to imdb was q yeah Um, he did look familiar (laughs) what is he in he's in modern family (laughs) (laughs) great he plays uh, Sophia Vergara's like ex-husband, who's a bit of like a waif and a stray, and kind of like tips up every now and then. It's like, I am, I am the Latin lover. I've come to oh, take that's like, brilliant. Sh- show, show the sun, like, do you know what I mean? Like weekend fun dad, and then kind of disappears. He like maybe gets like a an episode a season kind of thing. That's it, man. That's why you know that's that's kind of the level of. I mean, it's difficult because. Actually, just because you haven't done loads, that doesn't mean you're not a good actor. But um, no, how hard the acting game is. Married to one, <laughs> but um, it's uh, it is always exciting though when you see someone and you clock it. Do you know the best? This is a bit off topic. We we're watching Shaun of the Dead the other day. Mm-hmm. Best. I didn't know that was that person. You know the um, the the big guy, the fat like oik essentially, who works at Shaun's uh, computer uh, TV company. He goes, "Oh, you got red on you." Yeah. You know that's Rafe Spall. No, mate. He looks so. <laughs> he looks like a fat bully. And then, and then, three years later, he's in um, Hot Fuzz as the cop with the glasses, and he looks yeah, yeah. like he looks ten years older and thinner. And it's he obviously like got a bit of no, notoriety from that, and then was like, I assume he's is he Tim, he's Timothy Spall's son as yeah, well. Yeah, isn't yeah, he? so yeah, that, yeah. that also does help again. <laughs> <laughs> so if you notice of acting, it does a little bit help who you're related to. Yeah, and that—that's something uh, perfect to talk about because obviously you have a yeah, it's pretty talk about this as well. You have a podcast about people with famous names because obviously <laughs> yeah. Chris Martin. I guess you always get mistaken. Uh, I see on Twitter all the time that you have to tell yeah. people once. Not Cold- a Coldplay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I did a podcast, um, just like a brief <laughs> series, really, to chat to other people with famous names who have to live in the shadows of someone <laughs> with a famous name. And it's I quite like that. I, I sort of, over, when I moved over here, I actually, um, this is a very Hollywood story, but I, I had an idea for a game show which would involve uh, famous names 
uh, and then you could do the cheaper version with just the people with famous names or with the famous person. And, and I technically sold it to uh, a network and, but the deal took so long to negotiate the woman that wanted it at the channel left. And then the show was unsold. But so that, that's, that's, that's Hollywood in a nutshell. Yeah. 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 From, from everyone I've spoken to, like with films and stuff like that as well, it just seems to be, there's so many perfect projects that are sitting there on a shelf or, a, sh- a reshuffle in an organization and then it's it's blown in the wind yeah so it's, I, I, I did like the sort of budget um fun <laughs> to do podcast version but in my head it, it actually would be a better game show and preferably would have, but you know it might it, always with these things if you know if i had a famous uncle i'm sure it'd be easier <laughs> easier and it would still be on tv but you know at some point it's in the pipeline maybe perfect at some point so to get back on track, what was the first Nick Cage film you remember seeing? I genuinely think it was The Rock, I think. So I think I saw it as a teenager and you just think it's, I think it's, even after oh, this isn't going to be very good as a film and it's great. It's, I mean, Connery, Sean Connery is just such a cool bastard. I love, and obviously my favourite line um, is uh, losers always whine about doing their best. Winners go home and fuck the prom queen. I'm like, that's just, <laughs> as a teenager, it's the greatest thing you've ever heard in your life. Saying that in the playground. Um, and Nicholas, yeah, I think I saw him. And I was like, oh, this guy's pretty good. I think that it was the, it would have been then, like, I think almost as a teenager, that was like a good era for him. It was like that face off, um, Con Air, mm-hmm. you know, like, this guy can't do anything wrong, but as with a lot of 90s kind of action action stars, which is a bit of a broad brush uh, stroke to sort of brush him with. Um, yeah, that's kind of what he was doing then. It, and all my other heroes have fallen. John claude Van Damme, <laughs> Steven Seagal, Wesley Snipes. When you hit 2000, shit just goes off the... R- I don't know what... Everyone's worried about the millennium bug, like, causing computers. To, it caused the malfunction of a lot of leading male actors <laughs> in Hollywood. Well, I think it's that thing, and it's something that's quite interesting about like uh, Nicolas Cage, especially, is and Jean Claude Van Damme is they're always kind of like teetering on the edge of a comeback. Do you know what I mean? Like Jean Claude Van Damme kind of did that self-aware series, and everyone was mm-hmm. like, "I love this." And I know, like recently, he's kind of been teasing on social media that he's got something in the pipeline. And I think Nicolas Cage does it as well, like. That's why I continue hanging on to what he's doing. So I'm like, I know you can do something great. I'm just yeah. like, this might be the one, like every film that comes out. And the last couple of years, and that's the thing, every few years he'll knock one out of the park and you'll be like, that's the guy I fell in love with. Do you know what yeah. I mean? It's like being, I don't know, it's like being with a really shit boyfriend, basically. In that like, he'll be a shit all the time, but then one day he'll get you flowers from a forecourt of a garage and you'll be like oh, he does love me he does love me well he but does then, like he, he's done the voice of uh in the, the the good that spider-man one that was a good even though i don't really like superhero films that was a good spider-man and he was very funny in his cameo in it yeah. but maybe he's more like cameo-y than but even even like kind of uh underground hits like mandy and color out of space that are like got these weird cult followings even though they've been released like within the last three years and it's like right do you know what I mean the real chin strokers and the, the horror nerds are like, there he is, there's Nick Cage, we love him. Yeah. <laughs> well, isn't I think the big problem is with all of those guys is like Seagal does this is is all the budget goes to the act to them. Mm-hmm. And then you can see 
that very little money was spent on a lot of the other stuff, um, which is difficult. But it's difficult if you're an actor with a price and you're going to take the job, it's very rare they're going to go, give me two million less to make the rest better. One of the problems is that kind of the mid-budget movie has kind of been disappeared. It's either it's an indie film Mm-hmm. or it's like a mega su- superhero blockbuster and there's not these kind of like 30 million dollar like mm. kind of mid-range films that these guys kind of thrived in i imagine something like snake eyes or something like that back in mm-hmm. 98 nick cage yeah would have kind of like that would have been the budget for that film whereas like now even Bruce, do you know what I mean? Bruce Willis has Bruce fallen off. Oh. He, he, I only noticed uh, uh, this year how he's fallen off a cliff, actually. Welcome to the party, pal. He is just doing, he's doing the same. You know, he even looks tired. And I think he like Red was one of the last big-ish ones he did. And it wasn't very good, I don't think. And then he's just, you just hit that age as a slightly old, you're not fully a pensioner, but you're too old to be the leading guy. And you need you just need one that you need like it's like Neeson. You just need one, and that gives you about another five to ten years of yeah. half decent ones. Well, and then you're back to like Bruce Willis. I I've I've put this point out online that Nick Cage gets a lot of shit from a lot of people. They're kind of like, oh, he's he's like this meme almost. But it's like, why is nobody looking at Bruce Willis? He was in a film called something like Die Heavy recently, and it's like yeah. that is a rip-off of a film that he was in in his heyday. <laughs> yeah, he's he's quietly, he's probably like less charmingly doing just mm-hmm. utter crap. What was, I watched one the other day where he's a doctor. Oh, he's a doctor and then he goes and has to kill some people because his wife got murdered when he was doing sur- surgery or something. It's, it's bad. It's not it's the bad. remake of Death Wish, is it? It might be Death Wish. Yeah, because he's, he's... He's a surgeon, right? I... Without without looking it up, I wouldn't know, but this feels like a perfect time. Obviously, the first one, you saw, I feel like I might know what the your favourite is as well. You might have given it away to us, but yes, what yes, is yes, your favourite Nick Cage film? I think it is The Rock for the pure fact that I've probably watched it 10 to 15 times and I still, I love, I love a lot about it. I love, I love, that was the first movie when I really noticed that he shouts at the second half of all of his sentences. Um, I like the fact that his, um, he has a very sexy wife. And I was a teenager and <laughs> watched his sexy wife. He has, Ed Harris is a great baddie because he's, mm-hmm. he's an old, he's a patriot. So he, he gets turned, um, spoiler alert, and he's a baddie that has a conscience, which, uh, conscience, which is nice. Um, and then, yeah, the whole Sean Connery and his dynamic is amazing. The bit when he, when he puts um, a glass ball in someone's mouth and punches the, with the um, night, the whatever that green mystery poison stuff is, punches a guy in the mouth with a green crystal that that makes them foam in the mouth and die. And one thing I really want to do, still went to San Francisco, didn't go to Alcatraz. I do want to get on on my knees and just wave, <laughs> wave two uh, sort of flares just like that. But and just know that maybe two people on the rest of the tour will find that really funny, and the rest will be very perfect. Perfect, perfect. And it's, it's a great film. It was that kind of turning point for Nick Cage's career as well. Obviously, up until that point, was doing bits and pieces. But then, as you said earlier, after that, it was kind of hit after hit after hit. Like especially that 
later 90s run so yeah mm-hmm. i always like to point this out just for like the sheer fact in two years it was the rock con Air, and face off and like it's just like if you think of 90s action films they're kind of always brought up in the, the conversation um, they're great he plays a di- and he plays a completely different character in all yeah. of them really uh, well and it's that thing that like he burgeoned in that kind of I don't know, different kind of action hero as well. Obviously, we'd had the Van Dams and the Arnold Schwarzeneggers, the Stallones of the 80s. And I know Van Damme's kind of on the cusp into the 90s, but like these tough guys. And then like Nick Cage was a different kind of like action hero because... He was more like an everyman, wasn't he? He he didn't really have like cool moves. He was more uh, attitude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially like Stanley Goodspeed. He's a bit nerdy. He's, he's got something for the kind of like every man in the... Oh, he's a scientist. So he's like, he did well at school, but he's also <laughs> going to take down this like... Yeah. Th- this this corrupt veteran who's kind, <laughs> kind of got a point. And that, that is the thing. It is a film that is like, it's great because it's like, you kind of understand where the bad guy's coming from. Because it's like... You get it. Yeah. Um, but we talked about the dizzying highs of Nicolas Cage's career. Probably time to talk about something that, let's be honest, might be a low point in Nicolas Cage's career, which is a score to settle. You're not going to run, put up a fight. I'm really sorry, man. Time keeps marching on. Ain't nothing we can do about it. Nineteen years. Scores have to be settled. The world's changed since you're a day old man. Where do you think you're going, Pops? That's a two two six clone. Wanna suck on it? You kids like them because you think they look cool. Truth is, it's one of the most unreliable firearms in the world. What else do you want? And a nine millimeter, something Italian. Really worth it? People are gonna die either way. What if you get killed first? At least I get to take a few of them down with me. Was this your first time watching it? It was my first time watching it. Um, it's uh, it's on uh, the website Hulu out here. Um, there is a there is a few on there that I've like I just I like roll past and don't quite <laughs> and then you said and then it is in my wheelhouse. Well, what is interesting about it before we go into the full plot, I guess, is it's exactly in my wheelhouse of stuff I love to watch, which is a revenge movie. Taken for at my wedding, my wife loves Taken as well. All our s- tables had action heroes on them. Amazing. Um, so we were on Neeson, table one, and then there was like. Um, who else was Stallone, Schwarzenegger. I can't remember who was down the back, actually. Chuck Norris was the family. Who did we put? We didn't have Cage then, because I guess it was more of the fighting action. Seagal was at the back. If it was the 80s, Seagal would obviously be <laughs> right in the mix, but um, he fell off the cliff long before everyone else. Um, he, uh, so, yeah, so uh, score to settle. I was like, great. He's coming out of prison. He's just going to beat loads of people up. And then for like... 
90% of the movie, it's this, it's a very melodramatic film about him and rekindling his son's thing. So what was interesting was like, there was moments in it, I was like, oh, that's quite good and interesting, but um, the, the soundtrack was very hard to disassociate from. It was the most, it was like a mate of the director's album that he was playing and it was so, it was so jarringly cheesy that I couldn't sort of focus at times. She woke up late, woke up happy, stretched her legs, looks right at me, eyes like diamonds. She played Paul Simon, got woman by the afternoon. She makes space, keeps the distance. I take pictures with her permission. It takes patience, it'll take me over soon. Obviously, the score as well, like the yeah, like the the music underneath, had this feeling that it's supposed to like let you know how to feel, but then it felt totally out of place with like the scenes that were on screen. So, like, there is a moment where him and his son Joey are talking about like, oh, maybe you should hit on this woman, like, go over and talk to her. But the music is telling you like. This is really sad. This is really emotional. And it's like, this is like a moment out of like an American Pie film. Because he's like, hey, it's like, get, it's like getting back on a bike, but with a vagina. Yeah. I, can I also just say on that? I was, I've never, <laughs> one of the, again, that moment, it's funny. That was the one of the biggest things that stuck with me was how much his son wants him to have sex with a prostitute. <laughs> is uh, <laughs> I, have, I have a dad and I have no... Even if my dad and my mum had been divorced, I wouldn't be like, go on, dad, have there's a sex worker over there, get involved. It's like <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't relax watching it. I was like, at first he's like, Oh, she's she's attracted hit on her, and he's like, Oh, she's a cool girl. Like, and he's like, Go on, dad, go on. Like, why do you want your dad to pay for sex so badly? Like, I know he's been in prison for 19 years, but like it was just it was weird. Yeah, and then so- later, do we, when do we reveal the twist? Because then it makes a little bit more sense with the twist, potentially. What? Well, we can reveal the twist now, yeah. So the the twist in this turns out to be that the son was dead the whole time. I actually didn't see that coming. To be fair, did you did you call it? No, I didn't call it. But like the the other kind of thing that I think is highlighted from the moment go is that he is going to die. Yes, like, yes, 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 yes. He's definitely going to die. Whether it's the, like, because I think it's, like, within the first five minutes, so he gets released from prison um, because he's got, yeah, fatal sporadic insomnia, which I had to do a bit of, like, Googling on. I, I actually Googled, can you die from insomnia? Yeah, I was like, curious on that because I was, it was just, it was, a, <laughs> it's like, it was a lot of, there was so many, it was, that's what I mean, there's so many, like, elements to this film that you're, like, all right, that's a whole other new thing that, like, just felt like they tried to put too much into it. They kind of bring the kind of insomnia thing up when it's relevant, like, when they need it. Do you know what I mean? It's like, we've kind of run out of things, like, to get us out of this scene. Just have him kind of go a bit funny because he hasn't slept for, like, 19 years. The bit when he does the scene where he thinks he can't find his son and the bellboy or whatever comes to his room... And he asks him how to f- use his phone to find out where his son is. And it's the most... Uh, here's another thing about the movie. 
about 40 minutes like every scene felt like it was twice as long as it needed to be oh. like there was no there was no like start on a positive here's a turn bang end on a negative as the sort of screenwriter would do it was just like this there was like a three minute scene where the guy he's like how do I find how do I find my son and the guy's like oh you could look on your last cause yes uh, and, and then what and then what and it, he was going <laughs> uh, and, then, and he got like closer and closer to his face and he kept going and we'll do it. And that I assume that's completely improvised. I, like, there's a few of the scenes I'm like, that is improvised. So they've gone like, all right, do this. And the guy had to like keep a straight face on Nick Cage is by his face, sounding insane because he's not had any sleep, and he's Nick Cage, so it's like a double whammy. <laughs> and he's just going like, I want, uh, uh, and then we'll do it. I was like, this is the. It's annoying getting your parents to use a phone. I don't see Nick Cage finding out to use his phone fucking five minutes midway through a movie. And, and it's the thing as well, like, I was kind of, from the get-go, when him and his son check into this hotel, I, like, the red flag went up for me when he explained to him, he's like, no, me and your me, me and your, me and your, mum came here for our second anniversary, and uh, ever since that day, all the time I was in prison, I always thought it'd be so great to take you here. And it was like, really? Is yeah, that, that's weird. That's weird. Like, as like, I've got, I've got a son, and like like I I love him. He, he's very small, but, but you don't want to you don't want to have sex with him, which is what <laughs> which yeah, yeah, is what yeah. it feels like. Well, like I, I wouldn't go right. So do you know what I really want to do is like take you to a hotel, uh, <laughs> like two years into a marriage. Me me, me and your mum like went for a nice little like kinky weekend away, and like he, even when he was showing him around the room. I got a bit kind of thing is like, especially because I was like, right, what's the geography of this room? I'm seeing one bed at the moment. And it's like, yeah, 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 I yeah. think the, the relief came when like we saw, I think it's the sun in a different bed. And I was like, oh, it's feeling it's very weird up until this point. You, you can't rule anything out in this film. <laughs> like if, if they had had incest sort of sex, I would have been like, I mean, why? who knows with this movie? Who knows? Yeah, it was uh, also that hotel. Like, where was it? Where were they? Where were it? Just I just kept looking at just a random big fancy hotel in what looked like kind of quite a sort of sleepy town. Yet there was some sleazy pimp just like hanging out the front of the hotel. Like, where? I've never. I've been to a few nice hotels. I've never just seen some like skeezy kind of like just tattooy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pimp. Yeah, he looked. He looked like someone who'd auditioned for like Breaking Bad for the like, yes. role, like Skinny Pete, and was like, uh, "No, you're not getting it, mate." Like he's he's watched that performance gone. That's what I'm going in with. I'm going in with Skinny Pete from Breaking Bad. I think you would get. You'd probably get quite a class. Not that I know. I think you get quite a classy <laughs> pimp at somewhere like that. You'd probably get a fancy pimp, and if that hotel was so fancy. Oh yeah, I reckon you'd get like a kind of weighted like uh, business card kind of slid under yeah. your door. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? This, it would, this it would, guy looked like he's back alley pimp. And he yeah, was... And not even a pimp. I reckon there'd be like a madam working the place. Yes, as opposed to, as absolutely. Opposed to this guy like in a beanie, kind of like knocking about like, hey man, yeah. you, you, yeah. you, you want some girls? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, come on, like get get the security on that guy immediately. Immediately. Because the, the prostitutes were quite high end as well. Yeah, and like 
well, we get that scene quite early on as well when they go for dinner. And again, it's just weird scene after weird scene with the son. And like when the twist comes, it's like, oh, right. So Nick Cage's character, that's just his subconscious. And he's just a bit of a perv. Like that's, yeah, his yeah, subco- yeah. that's yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. his brain going like, oh, that woman's, that woman's a prostitute. Yeah. Like you, you, you should go with her. Do you know what I mean? Like when he sees her at the dinner table with like an old, and he's like, that guy's, that guy's at least 15 years older than you. He's like, you could get a girl like that if you pay for it. And it's like, yeah. what, what is this? It is the weirdest pep talk. It's like, hey, it's like, it's, that's what's so weird about it when his son's going, again, if you, in hindsight, I guess it makes sense, but it's just like, when you're watching, you're like, come on, dad. Yeah, she'd be happy to be with a guy like you, but you still got to pay for it. She'd be happy with anyone if you pay for it. Anyone. <laughs> Why are you trying to, how do you boost your, it doesn't make sense to boost your ego by by going, having the courage to go up to a sex worker and ask her to fulfill a contractual obligation with the correct financial um, deposit. Yeah. Well, there's, there's a whole weird thing in this world because it's kind of got this weird, um, like, pretty woman subplot where he thinks he can kind of Richard gear the situation mm-hmm. and like fall in love with a sex worker and like kind of gets to the end of like the, the night's business as it were. And he's like, Hey, like when can I see you again? And like, well, like, and she, and, and it's this whole weird thing that like, I don't know, she's not really like built up as a character in any way. It's just like, she's a bit, like you've been in prison, he says, Yeah, I was in prison for murder, but I didn't do the murder. And then she kind of goes, Oh, I don't know if I like. And then she's like, Actually, it's kind of, I'm like, I don't know whether she likes a murderer or not a murderer. <laughs> and then you find out at the end, she's got an, a completely Asian son when she's white, <laughs> just not explained. Well, there's a, and there's, I don't know. There's that thing as well where she's like, It's like, up until this point, we have seen no charisma really from him. He's kind of like this this man out of time, like who's kind of stumbling about, going, "I got all this money." Because he like again, I don't, is it ever explained where that money or like it's kind of like yeah, what? they well they say he got four hundred fifty thousand dollars for taking the heat, and he was going to be in prison for five to six years, end up being nineteen years. So I assume they gave him a bag of cash, he buried it. Did he? make baseball bats in prison or did he make them before prison? Because he just, that's a funny deed, just a man (laughs) with a bag of bats. He's got a bag of baseball bats and he makes baseball bats just as a side, a side job. Was that in prison or before prison? I think in prison. Yeah. Cause he says uh, it was in prison and he said he coached baseball in prison, which sounds like, a film all of its own. Do you know what I mean? that, <laughs> exactly. You're like, you're just going to gloss out. You're basically, you're like, how can we get away from having a bag of bats? He coached baseball in prison. That is the plot for something like, I don't know, like a, a Rick Moranis, like uh, the big green or like the, the little giants from like the nineties. A hundred percent. Or like the longest yard. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I want to kind of, see uh, yeah, Nick yeah. Cage coaching <laughs> scary people. <laughs> baseball in prison that's the prequel to this film <laughs> that's the prequel where he's just like for the whole thing he's like he's coaching it and he's he's just like but in his head he's going god i wish i had the, wish i was able to 
have the courage to approach a sex worker and have sex with her. So that's what he's, he's thinking while he's cheering the guys around the, around the diamond. One of the things I really wanted to bring up as well is when we get this twist that his son has been dead the whole time, which yeah. when that happened, I was like, oh, well, I've seen dead man's shoes. And it's like, this just feels like a cheap, very cheap, like imitation of that. But then it gives a flashback to moments. Yeah, yeah, but he's just doing all the stuff on his own, just at, at a dinner table on his own. But the ones I wanted to see was him doing donuts in a car <laughs> <laughs> yes. and, and like trying on suits in like a high end tailor's. And there's a scene where like him and his son are like having hijinks with like mobile phones in a shop. And it's like, I want, I wanted it to then cut to him just taking selfies of himself in like an Apple store looking like a maniac. Well, isn't they, he FaceTimes his son. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So who's he FaceTiming? <laughs> He's just videoing himself. Who's he? Yeah, I guess he doesn't know how to use his phone later on. And that's why the guy has to show him. But like, yeah, I agree. I'm like, it's it. It's one of those ones where if you actually thought about it, a lot of that wouldn't make sense. A lot of it. The only thing that made sense weirdly was I kept thinking, he's got his money, he loves his son. Why is he spending all his money? Well, he's like, if I was his son, I'd be like, let's invest this in property immediately, mm-hmm. rather than buy a, a car that I looks like it's worth almost. Like the way he was spending the money, like he's got like ten million dollars. It was like four hundred and fifty grand. I mean, it's good, but like the car's two fifty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The car's two fifty. He buys some suits, and then he, he realizes he's only got a hundred left at the end. But he gives it to the um, I forget her name. Um, Simone or Jennifer? She's Simone got or Jennifer. If he if he if he has the, and that was another weird thing about the film. It would just a few times just take you into another. Like he would just visualize his wife's head instead of the because the director. I think it was we looked up. Maybe it was his first or his second film. Second film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like. Just don't run before you can walk, man. Just like, do, don't, I feel like just pair it back a little bit. Well, the thing is, looking at his first film as well, like it's starring Michael Sheen and the poster for it has a few of those like, like festival reefs on it. I'm not like, I can't make out on my screen what festivals they are. I know you can kind of like. We've all got, we've all got festival reefs for stuff, mate. <laughs> Doesn't mean it's good. <laughs> yeah. So the kind of like sex worker B plot goes essentially nowhere, right? Yeah, well, they, they almost like have, they can pack it into a thing where he sort of falls in love with her, gets her to spend the night with him in his car. And then, and then she gets a bit weirded out. And then later on, he asks for her and the creepy pimp gives a different woman and tells her to call herself Jennifer. Uh, they call herself uh, Simone and Nicholas Cage. He's too smart for that. He knows. <laughs> he knows. He's got. She's got the same name. She's a different lady. And then at the end, he has no option but to give this woman who he had like one night with all his money because he doesn't know anyone else who he likes. Yeah, and there's this like weird thing throughout the film, and I I found it like all the way through. It's like. For something that's very much sold as like a revenge thriller, Do you know what I mean? yeah. for me that like just harkens back to like right, Commando. Do you know what I mean? It's a man, oh, yeah. a man on a mission, or it's like a Taken or something like that. Yes, 
this is very heavily weighted to the kind of the sun stuff, the least sexiest sex I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That was bad. The sex scenes are painful. Like if, especially if it's not the like flashing to the the dead wife's face, or it's just like I don't know. That like she obviously she is a sex worker, but she says to him like, "You were great," and it's like he looks knackered. He, he looks, looks so gentle. tired. His yeah, his 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 he's got an old man body. Um, well, not an old man. He's got like middle aged dad body, and she's like, and he's like, um, it's just like not. There's nothing wrong with that, but you're just like, she's not doing it. It's not sexy. <laughs> I'm not like this is some hot sex, but actually, you're right because the film we were expecting that. My wife liked revenge films. She had to stop watching it after about an hour because she was like. She felt too sorry for Nick Cage. Yeah. It's, like, it's too sad. <laughs> she was like, I can't watch this guy. Like, it's just too... His character's just having this really tough time connecting with his son and a, a trying to have fall in love with a sex work. And like, I just... I need him to kill some people to take the edge off. Something well, cheerier. It, it's that thing that, like... I need it, him to murder a man <laughs> for something lighter and cheerier. Because every moment, it's a bit too heavy. Well, it is that thing. It doesn't know what it wants to be because it at moments tries to be that like revenge thriller, but like doesn't quite nail it. Like when he like confronts the the like guys he's tracking down, whether it's uh, the fantastically named Jimmy the Dragon. Jimmy the Dragon, uh, who like, gets killed. Who? What? What's the line at the end? Uh, the line he says to him is. They won't be calling you the dragon anymore. And then and he shoots, shoots him his... in the dick. Yeah. So yeah. I thought he's going to shoot him in the dick and he's going to walk away. Then he just shoots him in the head and kills him anyway. I'm like, I mean, he's dead. You've re... It'd be funny if you just shot his penis off and left him. <laughs> but it's even the way that he delivers, like, he delivers it really poorly as well. It's kind of like, they won't be calling you the dragon yeah. anymore. And it's like, that's not, that's not like, He's dead tired. Do you know what I mean? It's not like yeah, a kind yeah, of yeah, Arnold yeah, sort of yeah, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's exactly. not a call-off Bennett or something yeah. like that, where it's like, yeah, like you're there. Enjoy, like, kind your, of, enjoy your trip. Yeah, like it's like popcorn in the air, like this is what we want. It's like, so it does all that. And it's like, or does it want to be a film that kind of tells you about like revenge essentially is futile? because, like, there is no victors on it. And it's like, that's a totally different film altogether. That's like a bleak kind of nihilistic yeah. film. And it's like, it, it it's stuck between, like, a rock and a hard place in this and, and, and fails at all of the things it tries to do. It does a lot of things badly. It does yeah. a lot of things badly. Yeah, it, um, you're right. There's, like... What is it, like an hour and 45 minutes? And probably mm -hmm. 20 minutes of it are dedicated to him actually trying to kill people and get revenge. There's like all the stuff of his son is like an hour. The sort of weird love story of his, which we find out his dead son. Um, yeah, it's got, it's just, yeah, the bit when they go shopping together is just like, <laughs> it's like a Ferris Bueller's day off, like 10 minute <laughs> section. And then it, yeah, he just starts freaking out. And, like, it's funny, like, he promises his son he won't... Promise you won't do any revenge stuff. And he has to, like, sneak out. And I'm like, oh, cool. You know, is it, maybe it's a stomach. Maybe he's going to sneak out in the nighttime and do all his revenge then. But then he sort of does a... 
he does a bit of revenge. Like he does a bit of revenge. It's not enough revenge. Well, and it's even that. Like even there's not Diet like a, revenge enough guys to seek revenge on either. And it's like he kind of he tracks down one guy and he's like, oh, he's working in a bar. He seems to have turned his life round. Yeah. He goes. He goes to Jimmy the Dragon, who's getting like I don't know. It's Having weird. Just two two women either side of him doing weird. That's yeah. like a. He's like a he's like in a kimono as well, isn't he? No, he's topless because he's got a dragon tattoo on oh, his back. Oh, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, he's like in this kind of I don't know massage parlor where he's like I think there's three women because there's like one either I think I think oral or like giving him a hand job, and then there's kind of two women. I can't really I don't really know what they're doing. They're just standing beside him, maybe like near him. feeling his muscles and going like, "Oh, Jimmy the Dragon." Yeah, Nick Cage's character goes, oh, God, I wish I had the courage to ask <laughs> three women to have sex with me for money. Oh, God. <laughs> but then, and like that as well, it's like he kind of just gets beat up in an alley after that. And yeah. then, and then, see, he's the guy who's a butcher. And I, I couldn't make out what Nick Cage was eating throughout that scene. Yeah, what know. was he eating? That was a weird, was it a bit of salami or something? I'm not sure if it was salami. It looked like a big fish stick. Like he's just like yeah. chomping on a big fish stick. Like going <laughs> that like that whole scene is so weird as well. I'm like, and it sort of goes to a point. You go, oh, maybe he's just going to leave him, leave him, and then he shoots him in the head. I'm like, I didn't expect that weirdly because of the way the scene played out. But I'm not like happily surprised. I'm like, I didn't he didn't like move it to that point. It was like, uh, all right, yeah, all right, fine. Because the guy keeps going like, hey, you just do what you gotta do and all that stuff and then he's like I'm like but he's saying it so much that he won't actually kill him but then he just shoots him in the head <laughs> and he's like I'll shoot you in it's that thing isn't it that like if this was a grittier film and was kind of like played more for like I don't know like a a lower budget kind of take on how futile revenge is yeah that, that scene would have been like really great and done in a way of like I don't know he's He's taking out the wrong people. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I don't know. Like, like What's that said, guy called, by the way? He's got a funny name, isn't he? That guy? Tank. Yeah, that's it. It's yeah, just so a little man of glasses. It's called Tank, which yeah. made me laugh. I, I just like the name of their gang as well. So there will be like Max, Tank, Frank, and G- Jimmy the uh, Jimmy Oscar's called Jimmy the Lizard, Jimmy the Dragon. <laughs> he becomes Jimmy the Lizard when he gets his dick shot. <laughs> but it's like yeah. I don't know. They sound like it sounds like a kind of gang from the Warriors. Do you know what I mean? Like yes, it's 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 they're not they don't seem like a formidable gang really. And it's they, the, the weird casting as well that they have like younger actors for some of them. So. Q and Frank get like younger doppelgangers, yeah. and then uh, J- Jimmy the Wizard, uh, Jimmy the Lizard gets. Uh, <laughs> get, it's just the same guy, and then even looking at him as well, I'm like, when Nick Cage confronts him, I'm like, you guys are supposed to be of a similar age. I'm guessing. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. He clearly looks a lot younger than you, and I had to like Google it, and it's like, oh yeah. He's 40 and Nick Cage is 55. And it's like, that is clearly evident throughout yeah, this film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They didn't, I don't think they, it felt like a lot of details were missed in this. Mm-hmm. And I did like, I have to say, do you know what I did like right at the start with the crappy music um, underneath? 
I don't know why. Does he do this in other films? But I always think of him doing this, having his head out of a window whilst whilst breathing air. He must do that, and I'm sure I've seen him do that in other. Like, is that, it's like almost like Brad Pitt's always eating food. Tom Cruise is always sprinting. Pretty sure Nick Cage always shoves his head out of a window and lets the air hit it whilst with his eyes closed. No, well, I think the closest thing to it is the like really famous now. It's turned into like a gift that's used everywhere. It's the Con Air, like hair blowing in the wind. Right. But, he just looks like a dog, doesn't he? He looks, like a, <laughs> he looks like a dog hanging his head out the side of a he car. He does look like a happy dog. That's what he looks like. And then with just, it's the under, I can't remember what music it is. It's like this, like, well, oh, I'd, it's so, yeah, it's like, I think I'll see you again or something yeah. like that. And I, Country music, yeah. I asked Siri, I was like, what song is this? And I just got like a, I don't know. No one knows. As I said, it's the director's, I reckon the director's brother just whipped up a few songs in his basement and they put them on there. Yeah, and the, the, the yeah, as I said, the score in general throughout this just doesn't know what it's doing. None it of it, none of it seamlessly just melds with, the, every time it comes on, I'm like, someone's playing some dumb music now. It's like when, it's like when uh, your songs are on random and you're like, Oh, what is this? Like that, that, there's like that every time music happens in the film. Yeah, it's like that thing. I don't know if you've ever, like, you're ever trying to, like, do you know what I mean? Get intimate and you've put on, you put on uh, Spotify on, like, Shuffle. Yeah. And it will be that thing of, like, oh, yeah, I've, I've set the mood and then it kind of, the album ends or something. Then it's garage music. Spotify does its thing, yeah, and then all of a sudden you're trying you're trying to get busy to uh, oxide neutrino, like <laughs> bound for the balfour. <laughs> but like, it, it is just that that whole thing is bizarre, and I guess we should talk about this kind of like it, at the end. It it has like more. It tries to do more twists than a yoga class, doesn't it? It's like God, we get mate, the yeah. we get the sun twist. Then he goes to visit Max who he's been told earlier on in the film is dead. <laughs> then yeah. he's told he's alive. And now we find out that he's been in a coma for 15 years. And then Nick Cage can seriously considers um, smashing him, smashing a lifeless comatose body to death with a... Because <laughs> he turns up and like, oh, he's in a coma, he's right. And Nick Cage gets the bat out and he's just like... And I'm like, that is... No. You're not like you would. You would just be like, "All right, he's uh, leave him there. It's worse for him. He's like a vegetable." But he's like, "I might just smash this. I might go into this hospice or whatever it is, and smash his brains in with a bat." Defeats the object, and then conveniently we get the uh, nurse at the hospital as well, and he's like, oh, you, "You you said that somebody comes to visit him," and she's like, "Oh, I don't quite remember the name." But I know that everyone called him by an initial. And then it's like that kind of like, as an audience, like we're supposed to all like kind of like, <gasps> like be in awe at the same moment and be like, well, there's only one guy who's been called by an initial this whole film. He's the real bad guy. You, I knew from the first 12 seconds of Q at the bar chatting to him that he was going to be the piece of shit that he was going to have to fuck up. <laughs> you were just like, oh, it's his, it's his friend and there's a little bit of attention. And he's like, no, no, no. Hey, man, no, no, no. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm being straight for years. You're like, all right. And he's, he's like, anything you need, buddy. Any, any, anytime someone is there to help the protagonist, mm -hmm. they are always the one fucking them. Always. Well, and we get that moment as well, like when I think Cage goes to the toilet and Q, like, we see him reveal a gun. 
like that he's got under the bar and it's like well shows it shows it like red flashing lights like here we go here's the real bad guy off the piece and yeah when I don't, it just feels like when he confronts him at the wedding that's when they're like oh yeah yeah she, like the scriptwriter's gone we forgot about the whole like insomnia thing let's bring that into play here bringing the insomnia but it does lead to uh the funniest bit of nick cage shouting in the whole film right yeah with beef just shouting beef he <laughs> <laughs> just keeps shouting beef beef <laughs> beef Beef is with me. Beef. Beef. You have my son killed. He lies straight to my face about. Did you think I've got beef with you? I didn't mean. Isha. You think beef is an accurate description of what I've got with your father? We kept. We were doing that. Was watching it last night, just shouting beef continuously. Because again, I assume, I assume that's improvised. I assume it's like going there. The guy says you got beef with me. Hey, look, no, he goes, he goes to his daughter. Leave. We're also watching it going. The bridesmaids have been kicked out by Nick Cage with a gun. No one for about eight minutes has even come in to try and help the situation. They're leaving the bride-to-be, the daughter of Q and Q and Nick Cage, in a room whilst Nick Cage has come. No one thinks to just get some other people, like some some guys to get some weapons or whatever, just like a a mass of people. They were like, well, well, I'm just sure they'll sort it out. I'm sure they'll sort it out. (laughs) But yeah, when he shouts, it's all right, we've got a beef, and then... Which I didn't even know Americans used as a phrase, which was interesting. I thought it was more of a British thing. But then Nick Cage shouting beef several <laughs> times was a highlight. There was one other funny line that me and my wife really liked. Um, do you want to guess what it was? Is it uh, ha ha happily? No, I, <laughs> I missed that. It's when um, uh, the crackhead looking um, pimp. Turns up to his door where Nick. Firstly, Nick Cage kicks out this high high end sex. Can you say prostitute now? I don't know. Is it loud? I don't. I don't know. I don't like. Say sex worker. Sex sex worker. Um. So he kicks the sex worker out who pretends who calls herself Simone and he's like, "You're not. You're not Simone. Get out. Get out." And she's like, "Oh, I need. What does she? Yeah. Get out. Get out. Get out." He throws her out within. It's like the opposite problem from the end of the film, where within, I want to say, 12 seconds, the pimp turns up. (laughs) Like, again, they're just letting this guy walk around the hallways of this very ornate, fancy hotel in the middle of a field in God knows where. He comes up and he's like, he goes, no, that's it. He calls him on the phone. He calls him and the cage goes... Who is this? And he goes, it's the guy from Thingy. You must be in the suite. It's really nice. Then he knocks on the door and goes, that's me. Totally unnecessary. Just knock on the door, mate. Just <laughs> knock on the door. What, are you, what was gained by him calling him and then being like, it's, it's me. It's like a weird <laughs> prank. It's like not even intimidating. Cage lets him in. They have a bit of an argument because the guy wants his money, despite the fact Nick Cage... Nick Cage randomly shows his dark side, which is he doesn't like paying for a sex worker he's not asked for. That's the one... He's almost more annoyed about that 
than any, than his uh, son being killed by negligence. From his, that's almost as annoying to him as, as anything else. He puts his foot down. I'm not yeah, paying, yeah. even though I'm not paying you two thousand dollars because that isn't Simone. And then when he's, uh, what happens? Then he's, he's got. Yeah, that's it. The guy in him have a bit of a rough and tumble. He puts a gun to his head, gets to the door. The sex worker's at the end of the corridor. She screams, and Nick Cage goes. <laughs> he goes, get her to sharp. He goes, get that tic tac round egg face. To shut up, <laughs> and I was like, "That's that's that's pure that's pure cage improv right there." Tic tac round egg fate. It's like so so many weird things. I didn't even think she just looks like a nice lady, but he didn't like the shape of her head. Apparently, I know from speaking to people he's worked with that like he kind of has this rule in his contract that it will be like I get one take for me. So, like, right. this film looks like there's a lot of, like, takes for him. And I think it falls foul to that thing that, like, he needs a good director. Like, if it's, like, I imagine someone like a Sean Koo, who's, like, this is his second film, doesn't know how to wrangle, do you know what I mean? <laughs> the, the cage. It's just gone, like, oh, do, do what you want. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it will be fine without, like, kind of acting like going no no nick like this is what i exactly want he's just gone like well we've blown our budget on getting nick cage like we've got no budget for anything else so he's, uh, shit, he's shit the bed yeah well he's worried nick cage is going to call him a tic-tac round <laughs> egg face bitch or whatever he calls her <laughs> but there that line really really stuck out as dumb um as well as him continually screaming beef at the end before he dies yeah because there's a there's a perfect moment when they first buy the car and uh his son says to him, like, oh, do you want to drive the car? And he just goes, ha, 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 happily. And it's yeah. just like, this is... And, but, like, at the same time, I'm like, well, at least, like, I'm getting something out of Cage here. For the rest of it, he's kind of, like, I don't know, quite wooden. And like, do you know, I, wonder like if, I wonder if he went full method and had no sleep for it. Yeah, did did he do a Christian Bale in The Machinist? Do you know what I mean? Like, did he go... It, I don't know if he got paid enough to go full method, but he's like, he just... He, I, I, know, what do I do now? I still... I, still <laughs> I can't get that out of my head, how long that scene is, where he just asks a guy how to use a... <laughs> how, how do I go to my recent calls? Okay, yeah. I don't want to know. All right, all right. That actor would have been finding it very hard not to laugh there, I'm sure. Well, it looks like they might have just hired like the presidential suite at a, at a hotel for a weekend and then just like kind of roped in the actual staff. Yeah, that makes like, sense. Like, that. It looks very like it's very bizarre. And like we get this moment as well. And I, it like kind of the logic of the people in the film as well. There's a moment where Cage looks like he's having a very tough time laying on the floor and the housekeeper kind of steps over him just being like, Oh, like, kind of like to your point of like they're letting a pimp run run around the hallways that they don't re they probably seen far worse that they're like oh god the house keeps like just another one of those weird yeah, sex that, people that, that was funny when she just fully didn't try and help him just no. ran out she, yeah. like, she knows she's gonna get framed for it or something she's running out of there immediately yeah. 
he's there like do you speak english like and he's like she's like no 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 sir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, runs out and then, but like when we get to the end of this film and he gets like yeah so he gets gunned down on the steps of a church and then like it's like the the filmmakers go do you know what we need right now but before we roll credits on this it's another weird moment with the sun with the sun where where he's just random what's the thing he goes what are you going to do now does he ask for forgiveness or something he's like what is he like pray he he makes he gets really religious randomly Mm. well he's like "What, what are you doing here and he's like, I just thought I'd hang out for a little bit longer. And it's like, what? <laughs> and then it's kind of like, I think that that is like to the audience, as if like the mouthful of blood and like the fact that Cage is strewn full of bullets that we weren't supposed to be like, he's dead. Like we need the sun to turn up and it to like fade to white. To re- like, do you mean get a white glow just, uh, on the just, screen? We need, we need to show that he is, he's dead. Yeah. He's going to heaven apparently as well. Hammering it home. Yeah, yeah, hammer it home. He's dead. He's dead, guys. As if, like, the film didn't, like, kind of, from the moment a nurse said to him, like, you've got this degenerative type of insomnia that is going to kill you. And it's like... He's definitely dead. But it it, is weird that he randomly gets a bit... There's been no mention of religion for the whole film. No, no. Then at the end, it's like, gun down outside a church. He's going to pray for forgiveness or whatever it is, like... All right, just it's just like the, the the we're all a bit. It's just like we're all a bit Christian, and we're gonna do. We maybe that's maybe that's accurate. I'm not very religious, but probably just as I die, I might randomly just pray just for the, like on the off chance. Well, j- just in case, like in the kind of like throes of death, you might see like Saint Peter at the gate, kind of like holding that book to see if your name's in it, and you go like. Oh, fuck it. Yeah, yeah. God, I've loved you all this time. I'm sorry about all the weird shit I did, <laughs> uh, but. Yeah, so I always ask three questions at the end of these uh, Please. these films, which uh, I kind of feel like give a weird rating to how we can judge a Nick Cage film. So the first one always is, does he have bad hair in this film? Yeah, I think he's got pretty bad hair. <laughs> His hair's pretty bad. It's good, because he, he's weird. Like, he's, had, he's clearly had like plugs or something, right, at some point. Mm-hmm. Or he had something. But it's almost like it's it's getting nullified. It's getting still going further, unless he sort of per- wants that permanent sort of recede. It's just bad. It's not what it's what style is it? It's just it doesn't have a style. It's no, just no. messy. And then something he's famed for a lot of the time. I know there's films like uh, Vampires Kiss and many other Nick Cage films, uh, Peggy Sue got married, where he he does weird and wonderful things with his voice. Is this one of them, or do we get a straight down the line kind of Nick Cage voice? I think he, I think he does fuck about with it um, because of the whole. That's what I mean. The way he's talking to the guy about how, how do I, how, he almost sounds <laughs> like he's turns into sort of Sylvester Stallone for it. Is that like, how do I, how do I, how do I do that? How do I, how do I, and what, and what, and what do I do? I get a recent course. Okay, he was not there. How do I, how do I find my son? And then what? And then what? It's just that. that. I'd say that was a bit that stuck out as weird voice to me. And then, like, I think a lot of people go for this, and I think, unfairly, this is how Nick Cage has kind of been pigeonholed, especially of late. I think there's a there's a famous uh, YouTube clip that's kind of done the rounds for the last few years called 
Nicolas Cage loses his shit. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah, is yeah. a kind of sizzle reel of freak out. It's great. I love that. <laughs> but do we get a Nick Cage freak out at any moment in this film? I think beef. I think beef was yeah, a freak yeah. out. Oh, yeah. I think beef was a... I think, if I'm going to be honest, mate, beef... If, if he, There was a few, I was like, he's kind of done it. And then right at the end, when he continually shouted the word beef, I was like, there it is. That's his... That's he's getting his take in at the end there. There's beef! Beef! There's that and, like, the moment he kind of, like, he spent, like, it's kind of, I don't get the logic of this. He spent the night, like, doing nefarious things, like buying guns and kind of tracking down his old, like, posse and then turns up to the hotel in the morning and his son's not there. God forbid he might be just... Joey! Yeah, yeah. And, like, like kind of going room to room. Joey! 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 And it's like, his son's like... Don't worry. I just want to get a coffee, mate. Like, chill yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. I just want to get a coffee. Yeah, I forgot. I forgot about that. I also found it weird that someone's called Joey. I don't know why. It's just like a, it didn't. It just kept. It felt like a weird. It felt like too kiddy a name. Well, and it's that it's that thing as well when the uh, the sex worker uh, Jennifer Simone, like when he's introduced to the son, and he's like, "Oh, what's his name?" And it's like, oh, "His name's Joey," and it's like. By that point, it's like, I don't give a fuck. Yeah, like, yeah, it's, like, it's not supposed to... I think you're supposed to come away from it going, oh, isn't that profound? It's the same name as his son's. And it's like, I don't care. Yeah, that was... A, it was, again, like, I was like... I, was, I just went to my hand, I went, of course his name's Joey. <laughs> I was like, of course <laughs> it is. Why not? Just, like, put it in there. Of course his name's Joey. Yeah, great. Perfect. Great. Uh, one last question before I let you go, Chris, is will you be watching a score to settle again? No. And would you recommend other people watch it? <laughs> I sort of, <laughs> but it made me laugh because it's, so that's what I mean. It's like, it's, it's in that realm of like, it's all mad. Like it's just, none of it makes sense. So it's funny in that respect. Like even um, like Bloodsport, we watched the other day and there's different acts, but like the acting and the cuts are so shit in that. I actual fights are good. But it's funny. So I would put this in a similar way of like, it's definitely like, it is sad though at times. And so that's mm. the only thing. You have to be like prepared to find it hammy and dumb and not make sense. But also be aware that if you're like feeling a bit low, don't watch it. Watch it like a bit drunk. I think you'll find it funny or high or something. Yeah, a bit drunk or kind of if you've got a palate cleanser to watch like immediately after do you know what i mean you've got a couple of episodes of a, a comedy to kind of yeah like yeah yeah, yeah get straight into um so that's um, a weird review is like watch it out of intrigue but be warned be warned <laughs> amazing well that is that is many of the nick cage films that we cover on this podcast and Great. Um, where can people keep up to date with everything that you're doing chris oh uh, um various on all the social media stuff my name's at chris m comedy i hate having comedy in the title because it's you know, say so, but there's the guy from Coldplay as my name, so I had to kind of do something. <laughs> so yeah, at Chris M Comedy. Uh, I should have a new podcast thing coming out with my friend Carl. I think my friend Tiff Stevenson as well. So yeah, we're just gonna we that. Keep an eye out for that, basically. Perfect. Yeah. By the time this is uh, released, that that might be that might be out. It might not be, but if it is, everything will be in the show notes, links, and stuff like that. Right. Where Thanks, you can man. find Chris and where to find the podcast. Again, thank you so much for coming on and talking about this, uh, I don't know, 
beautiful car crash that is uh, a score to settle. That's it, beautiful car crash. Perfect. Thanks, mate. Chris Martin, everybody. Uh, that was a fantastic chat and the final one of the year, if we're not including tomorrow's little bonus episode, which will be my conversation with John Rooney, a fantastic illustrator where we discussed his top five all-time Nick Cage films slash performances. The lines are quite blurred and his top five Nick Cage drawings that he did for his amazing The Films of Nick Cage poster. If for any reason you thought that myself and Chris were too hard on this film, if this is a film that you particularly enjoy and want to give it a fair fair trial, you want to come at us and go, no, that, that wasn't right, guys. You should have been nicer on that film. Please don't hesitate to get in touch which you can do via social media, which is Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, all at Caged In Pod. Or if you really want to take me to task, you can always drop me an email, which is cagedinpod at gmail.com. With the new year coming, there's obviously a lot to look forward to. And one of them is next week's episode, where I sat down with DJ Force 10, a.k.a. Barnaby to talk about running with the devil. So if you'd like to watch along, please do hit that one up. Again, you can find out where you can watch that in the show notes. Uh, If you're in the UK at time of listening to this, it is currently on Netflix. Which reminds me of the exciting news that kind of crept up out of nowhere of the history of swearing in which Nick Cage will be hosting an amazing like six-part series all about the etymology of swear words and yeah it looks really interesting if you haven't seen the trailer do check that out and uh head on over to the socials and let's have a chat about that when that comes out uh possibly i will be doing a little bonus episode on that but more on that as and when and if that happens so guys as always i've been petrus patsilavus i've been caged in You've been amazing. Happy New Year to you all. I love you. Bye-bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast is presented by the Breadcrumbs Collective, home of the Pod Charles Cinecast, Caged in Coppola Connections. A Drip Town Limery, Maine, franchised, and many more to come. Our shows are all presented ad free and made possible by listeners like you. Please support our shows by subscribing, leaving ratings and reviews, and becoming patrons at patreon.com. If you'd like to learn more about breadcrumbs, head over to breadcrumbscollective.com. Breadcrumbs. 
It's more than a podcast network. It's family. 